0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio program and podcast. My name is Caleb Gordon. I am your host. I am so excited that you are here with me today. Man, spring has sprung here in Oklahoma. Everything's green. We were so cold for so long and everything was so dead for so long. And now everything has come back to life. The yards are green, the trees are budded, and that means allergy season. Oh, my goodness. Can I get a name in from somebody? I'm sneezing my head off lots of pollen man my car the other day i went out and my car literally had a yellow film across the top of it man welcome to oklahoma in the springtime but i will say that this season just brings about this idea of new life and just a vitality and we've got easter's right here right now and um, just that idea from the bible of resurrection and new life and new beginnings Christ gives us a second chance, and so my hope for us as you're listening to this program today is we see and feel and hear new life because Jesus Christ brings new life to us, um, guys. Um, let me let me just talk to you for a minute, men, Christian men. I want to talk to you. We need you. There's no denying that the world around us is is moving at a breakneck speed. And I truly believe it's because we as men, we as Christian men, are are quiet. We're just not talking about things. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to rattle anyone's cages. We don't want to do anything that might actually uh, cause a ruckus. And, And I see the term toxic masculinity thrown all over the place. And I think it's because biblical Christian men are not doing anything to counter this. We're not standing up. We're not saying, okay, you know, really... The craziness and the insanity of the media is just that. It's crazy and and insane and we should be calling it out as what it is. And I think that if we had enough men standing up for what is right and doing what is right, we would no longer have the issue of toxic masculinity. I can't even say it. But I look at the, the culture in which we live, and and, and men are struggling with this idea of, uh, of pornography. We're struggling inside of the church. We're struggling with anger. We're struggling with pride. We're struggling with all these things. I know that's because we're human beings. I get that. But I think that if we had truly a biblical understanding of God, and we just viewed him as Holy, righteous, and good, and and the Father that we need, and the God who reigns over all things supremely, I really do think we would stop playing with sin. We would stop making excuses for our behavior, and we would just begin to do things differently. I, I just firmly believe that if we were just more active, not I mean not even okay. Kenny Luck says we're affiliated men. Most men in the church are just affiliated with God. And not many of us are activated for the cause and the name and the renown of Jesus Christ. And I I don't disagree with that. That I see and I know so many guys that go to church and they're just sort of kind of affiliated and they're connected in on a a real just small level. They're not not plugged in, plugged in. They're just sort of kind of there on the fringes and they're not doing much of anything. And I think we have a mandate. God's very clear in his word as to how men should behave and what they should be doing. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men be strong. Like we shouldn't have to apologize for any of these things, but sadly in the world in which we live, we are made to feel as if being those things is wrong and being those things is evil or wicked or heinous When God has given us that mandate and if we are truly living this out from a biblical worldview and we are being watchful, we're watching out for our families, we're watching our churches, we're watching over our wives, we're watching our children, we're watching our communities uh, to make sure to protect them from the things that are evil and we stand firm in our faith, we believe what the scriptures has laid out, and we, we stand firm in that faith that Jesus has given us, and we do act like men, like biblical men, there's no reason to apologize. There's no reason to be strong. Or I'm sorry. There's no reason to be apologetic about being strong. Because when our strength is rooted in the gospel, What we will do as men is we will engage the people around us and the people that we love and care for the most with compassion and a gospel centered worldview that does everything in love. That's the last part of that text in verse 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. And when you have a worldview and a lens that you view life through that has a gospel centered, a Christ centered mindset and worldview, everything shifts. Everything changes, and you will do all that you do in love, and you'll express love to the people around you. So, with this idea of biblical masculinity and and how that should be played out, I brought on the show today a friend of mine. His name is Cedric Mutesi. He is from Kenya, Africa, and he and I are just kind of going to have a conversation about what it looks like uh, to be a Christ centered man, not only in Africa but here in the States and sort of kind of the differences between Christianity there in Kenya and Christianity here in the States, because he's been in the States long enough to sort of kind of be assimilated into uh, the, the culture here. And I just want to see what his viewpoint is and pick his brain for a little bit on the differences between the two. So my hope is that this conversation will encourage you and challenge you this week. Welcome to the Northfield Nation, Cedric Mutesi. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well, thank you for having me, Kelly. I'm really excited. Now, if you guys can tell, like I said, he's from Kenya, so he's got a <laughs> sweet accent. I love, love, love his accent. So, okay. um, so tell, me about, um, tell me about Kenya. What do you love about Kenya? What do you think is different about Kenya from here?
1: Well, Kenya, I would say it's a beautiful nation. I would say um, everybody in Kenya... They're very friendly. You know, Kenya is very diverse too. We all speak English. We all speak Swahili. But we also have 42 tribes.
0: 42 tribes. Okay, so what does that mean? When you say you have 42 tribes, what is that?
1: So that means that, for example, I'm from the Luya tribe. My Mm -hmm. wife, Jennifer, she's from the Kikuyu tribe. So when she speaks Kikuyu, it's completely different from Luya. So sometimes she might talk to her mom or a dad in Kikuyu. Can you understand it? I, I can understand if I want to learn. But okay. if I'm just uh, new into it, I will totally be lost. I don't know what they are talking about. And if I do the same thing in my tribe, she will not understand what we are saying. So we are actually intermarried, uh, tribal marriages across uh, the divide. Of now is that viewed, how is that looked upon? It's a good thing. Before, okay. it used to be, you know, people from one tribe, they only marry, in, in, um, they, uh, they build relationship with people from the same tribe, okay. just to maintain the, uh, the tribal c- customs over the years. Because when you intermarry, your child is born from two tribes. So what oh, does okay. he speak? What does he or she pick on? So for us, before, when my parents were younger, you know, both of them, they're in the same tribe they're from the Luye tribe. Yeah. So that's uh, it was more like an arranged marriage. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you know, you could get like somebody's grandparents, you know, they go and talk to somebody's uh, grandson and vice versa. And then from there, it's all it, it used to be arranged a, a marriage. But right now, Because of the cultural changes, you know, we have Nairobi is the melting point, the capital city. Everybody comes from, you know, the villages, they come from the the rural areas to look for job. And then from there, you find these intermarriages. And that is how Jennifer and I actually met. So that's how Kenya is. Uh, I'll describe it also geographically. It's very beautiful. We have the safari, you know, we have the lakes. We have so many diverse things that uh, in a different way, they are not here. Mm. You know, here, if I want to see maybe a lion or something, like a yeah. giraffe, I'll have to go to the zoo. But in Kenya, if you drive on a safari, you know, you'll see them in their actual nature. So that mm. is very uh, different. And the, then, go ahead. Is it, now, is it
0: true that, mm-hmm. uh, like, if
1: you're in the middle, of, like, where you lived, was it, like, a lion was <laughs> no, running? Like, no.
0: somebody said that there was a, a lion running there down the street.
1: There, there was, there uh, two year, three years ago, actually, my brother sent me a video, and... The the, the the government was constructing some, there was a, they were putting some demarcations around the wildlife reserve. And then it happened that maybe they did not close one of the fences or something like mm-hmm. that. So it was not just one lion, it was a couple of them that were out in the streets. <laughs> just so, in yeah, traffic. Yeah, in traffic. Yeah, I, I think you remember the video too I when I showed you, show you me that, the video. Like, how big the lion was and people uh, just yelling and honking. You know, in that time obviously the game results come. You know, shoot the sedative injection, and then they kind of moved him, moved them, yeah, yeah moved them back. But it's not like what people think—you just go out in Kenya, and then it's like, oh, there's a giraffe, or oh, they're riding on an elephant, <laughs> <laughs> It's like that. Like it's—it's it's modern. They've—they've they've done a good job. Oh, neat. So, uh, I want to know how did Jesus get a hold of you? Wow. So, uh, my story. Everybody's story is different, and mine is just as. You know, I'll just put it the way my story was. I was raised in a Catholic family. Uh, I went to a minor seminary. so almost a minor seminary just before you got to the major seminary to become a priest. So that was my high school. I went there for four years. So you, so high school for you was going to seminary. Yeah. yeah. So you have four years of seminary under your belt. Mm-hmm. No wonder you but, preach like a beast. <laughs> no. Holy cow. But, <laughs> but the, the way they do it, it's like you still learn the same curriculum. That all the high school uh, kids uh, get, but they treat you differently. Mm-hmm. You know, we will, we will stay in uh, in high school for almost three and a half months without going back home. Wow. And then, yeah, and then when you go back home, maybe you have like two weeks or three weeks, uh-huh. and then you have to go to the boarding school. Okay. So they treated us very differently. We used to have mass, you know, every day in the morning from 6.30 to about 7.00. So everything for me, that's how it was. Uh, But I never had a relationship with Jesus in my heart until I came in the US in 2009. And what happened, I had a friend from Brazil. His name is uh, Pedro Costa. Uh, I was a freshman in the soccer team, mm-hmm. and one guy kind of made a funny joke. And it, looking back, he was just goofing around. You know, mm-hmm. we were eating in the cafeteria, and then he threw like a, a banana at me, you know, and I'm a black person. So I was like, man, this is not the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. So as a freshman, I had to make a statement. You know, if you don't say something, they'll just keep doing it. Right. So I, I stepped out of the, the cafeteria, went out, and then Pedro just came out and said, hey, man, they're just messing around. Take it easy. So that was my, maybe my first or, two, first or second week being in college. And I was like, man, this guy's a little bit different just mm-hmm. from just him being able to uh, yeah. talk to me. Yeah. So I started watching him from far. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he told me like, hey, would you want to come to my church? So I, I, was going, I was going to Catholic for all my life. So my immediate answer was like, no, absolutely not. I don't want to go over there. And then he kept just asking, but in loving way, not pushing or yeah. anything like that. And then eventually said, "Okay, I'll make a deal with you. If you come to my church, then I'll come to your church." So okay. in in Kentucky, Williamsburg, our services will begin. Church mass will begin at nine, so we start from nine to about ten thirty. And his church will start around ten thirty. So one Sunday he came to my church. Both of us went to mass, you know, and then mm-hmm. from there I went to his church. Now, this is my personal experience. What I found yeah. out or what I felt was there was so much freedom in his church mm-hmm. than in my church. Okay. You know, this now, is now I, why 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 was that? I did not know at the time, but I just knew it was the love of Jesus in in everybody. Because the first thing that the pastor said, okay, now you guys can shake hands, great, you know, like talk to somebody and all that. But in Catholic church, you only do that maybe in the middle of the service. You know, there's a time when people start greeting each other, but mm. you never do it in the beginning. So when they did that, it was very different for me, but in a, in a nicer way. You liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. So I could even be sitting here. I'm comfortable with my next, <laughs> the next guy next to me. I know his name. At least I know one or two things about him. And I am can worship God without being scared of men. I don't know this guy, but I'm still trying to worship, worship Jesus. Yeah. So what happened... During the service, they sang a go, uh, song by David Crowder, and that song was uh, "How He Loves Us."
0: That's my wife's favorite song. Yeah, she so, absolutely loves that. And that was
1: the first time I actually had the song. Really? So, the walking distance from the school to the it was just like maybe five minute walking distance. So I was walking back to my dorm on Sunday, and I remember exactly everything. I remember singing that song over and over and over. And then something spoke to me and said, just listen to the words. Mm-hmm. Don't just sing it. Listen to the words. And he changed the words to he loves us. He, says, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Mm. So the, uh, that same night, I went to the Pedro's room. And I just be, uh, knocked at his door, just want to talk to him. And then I had the same song in his iTunes. So he had it uh, in his uh, laptop. I said, man, I like that song. They sang it today in, in your church. And then he said, look, I can give it to you if you want it. And at that time, I had like iPods, you know, the, the iPod, the small ones, and it had so many songs in it. So I told him like, man, whenever we travel for soccer games, I usually listen to all these kind of songs over here, but I want that one song. Mm-hmm. And then you could not transfer music from iTunes to an iPod if you don't clear the whole you know, the, the music in your iPod. Right, right. So he was trying to transfer this one song, but he could not. Wouldn't go. Yeah, so he was like, do you really want it? I was like, yeah, I want it, but uh, never mind, next time. So I went back to my room, and it just kept bothering me. So when uh later, like a two days later, I went to see him, and I told him, like, please, can I get a song? And then he said, you will have to take away all the songs that you have right now in your iPod mm. and get this song. So it was a moment of decision, and I said, okay, let's do it. So when he did that, he sent me even more songs that I did not know about it wow. about David Crowder. So That's a
0: big that's a big spiritual thing. I know. <laughs> looking that's back. Huge. Yeah, yeah, looking think, back and yeah. now I see what,
1: what the Lord was doing is like you cannot just have a little bit of me mm-hmm. and then your own little world on this on the side. Yeah. So and then everything started unfolding. I gave my life to Jesus. Uh the pastor told me like, "Hey, have you ever been saved?" I was like, "Yeah, I know Jesus, but I was just speaking on a knowledge, but I never had a relationship." Had, a, had it in the head, yeah, in the head, but the not in the, the heart. heart, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was like, um, he explained everything to me, and then eventually, I remember the the, the exact date where I was. You know, I, I spoke it out, you mm. know, um, nobody let me, but I just spoke it out, and I knew my True. heart was changed. And immediately, I called the pastor, his name is Pastor David uh, Montgomery. So, hey, hey, Pastor David. Guess what? Yeah, what happened again? I I've I just given my life to Jesus. Mm. So we talked a little bit. He, they started discipling me. I started going to that church without my family knowing it. Is that? Yeah. Not,
0: is that? So is that? Was that a big deal? Yeah, okay. yeah. That
1: was a big deal because I thought it was okay, but for me, it was, it was different looking at it back at that time. So they they looked at it maybe as, as you're running away from running. Your, your your forefathers' roots Like this mm-hmm. is how everything has been done. Now you're starting to do your own thing. Yeah. So two or three weeks later, the pastor asked me to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Now I was like, man, I have a baptism card from Catholic. I was mm-hmm. baptized when I was little, all these things. And then he started walking uh, me through the baptism and what it meant. It's not that you're saved, but you're making a declaration, uh, life, death, resurrection. So I believed that I got baptized. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, my friend, I was using uh, Facebook. My friend the, took the video. Oh boy. And then he tagged me in Facebook. <laughs> So I was excited. Everybody knew now. Yeah, yeah I was excited. So yeah. I tagged my family too. Oh man. Yeah, so what happened? <laughs> you got a phone call. Phone didn't calls, you, you know, <laughs> phone calls. And that time it was emails too. There was no mm. WhatsApp or anything like that. What are you doing? This and that. You know, just different angles from family members. And I was sure. like, man, I thought I was doing the right thing. I didn't kill anyone, I didn't do yeah. anything wrong. Um, and they then they, they at it as a badge. Different, yeah. yeah. They just yeah. saw like, why are you trying to do something different from what we've been doing mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. over these uh, years? Mm-hmm. So they came, 2013, they came to my graduation. And then that's when the Lord actually opened their eyes to see what God has been doing in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my so they brother, got to see the fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told oh, them, amazing. let me tell you to take you to the church you've been going. Mm-hmm. We went over there, during, uh, when after the graduation. They were received, you know, my dad was being prayed for. Uh, my brother's like, everybody just saw the love and my my brother actually came and apologized and he said man I'm so sorry I never knew that this is what God is doing in your life mm. you know so that for so from that time it was just a lot of growing you know I uh, never read the bible you know never uh, it was just like one step at a time but the pastors in Kentucky they helped me grow yeah. in the process uh, throughout and then I came to to Oklahoma mm-hmm. And I felt lonely, just to be honest mm. with you. Because they had this cloud of people supporting me. Yeah. And then it's like, I was just dropped in a in a desert where I don't know anyone. Mm. And funny thing, wow. I was trying to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it was, I'm a little bit busy. I'm this and that. Like, it was just bothering me. It's like, man, when I was in Kentucky, we used to groove, we used to do this and that. But now, like, I'm now just on my Yeah. Yep. And that, that was really hard for me. The first year being here, I felt really lonely. I felt just like, this is hard. And then that's when I met, came to your church. Mm-hmm. And then I met your dad. And the main thing that actually encouraged me to stay was that the way he was preaching the word. Mm-hmm. I was learning so much, man. I would bring my books and I'd be writing over there, asking him about salvation. I remember him describing about how we are made with our bo- body, soul, and spirit and mm-hmm. sh- drawing those Down circles. circles. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, man, like that, that, it looked for me that I was hungry for that. And then everything just unfolded from there. So cool! That's so, so amazing. I know. I know. That's Thank incredible.
0: You. I love it. Thank um, you. you okay? So, you're you get married. You have a you have a son. You have a little munchkin on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer's due like like May in the next 9th. in May. Yeah, yeah, right. So not mm-hmm. not too long. Yeah. Um, what do you, as a father, mm-hmm. how how do you feel your responsibility is to to impart the things of
1: Jesus to your to your family? I I think like. All fathers, are, there's no perfect father, but apart from God, the father. And I think the main thing is our kids watch us mm. all the time. You know, our kids, they, they learn, they pick up things that we do in secret, especially without us knowing, you know. So for me, I knew that and I still know that any, anything I say, any word I, I, I speak, you know, he's going to do it. He's going to follow through. Mm. So I I had to to kind of train myself to understand that there's no way I'm going to teach my son, Canel, or Abigail, who's coming soon, that this is a way to walk in the Lord if I don't do it, Mm, you know. So So that was like a, a, and it's really hard, you know, because sometimes you're tired, sometimes maybe you're a little bit upset, but it's really hard. But the good thing is, my understanding is God gives us the grace to walk through that process. Uh, because we have, everybody has different different uh, upgr- upbringing and they have uh, some of the influences they got from their fathers, you know, and you carry that with you and some of the things that you learn from your dad, you know, your grandparents, you'll use them, they kind of mentored you, you use them for your son and they'll do the same thing to their children, just keep going. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I see myself as a father, I'm like, I want to do what I can to the best of my ability to set a good example for for him and for her.
0: Yeah, so that's that's good. Um, what what's the major like in, in terms of family life mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. versus family life in Kenya? Mm-hmm. What uh, what's the different? What's the major difference between a, a family and what they do in Kenya and mm-hmm. a family here in America? What do, you, what do you
1: say it again? Comfort comfort mm. yeah it's it's very comfortable for us here i'll, I'll be very honest these um the like the house you stay in in kenya that's a very one rich people will be living in it you know we we lived in two ha- two rooms houses and then you have like one room maybe you have like five kids sharing beds bunk beds and all that mm. and then now we have a bigger house you know we have so much space and i think that's the main difference the comfort that god has blessed this nation that we have and we're sharing in that in, in that so in kenya you don't find that comfort as as it is here yep. so, so do, would you would you say that that comfort mm-hmm. is a potential for um not trusting in god i, I honestly don't think so okay um i know there is a lot of things going on like when when you get rich you you forget about god um, I, I just think that it's the condition of the heart, you know, yeah. I know riches can drive us away and I know comfort can drive us away, but I also know that if we, like King David prayed and he said, do not give me more than, than, than I need so I can forget you mm-hmm. and also do not give me less than, um, uh, th- that I need, then I'm tempted to go and steal. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance between that two. You know, you can have just enough so that you don't feel like you're too uh, content. And also you cannot miss as much so you don't have the temptation to go and do something wrong. So I just don't feel there's a a risk for that, but I don't feel like um, that will deviate our faith from God because of comfort, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's kind of the balance that the balance is. As long as the Lord is leading you in that process, Um I think I think you should be fine.
0: So good. I I've, I've known you now since like 2013. Mm-hmm. And like the stuff that I've well, I've watched you too I mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've I've just paid attention. I've watched you and and your walk with the Lord. Um mm-hmm. I I sometimes envy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I just I see how much you just trust and love Jesus and I I love and trust Jesus, but I exactly. I think yeah. that there's moments where I feel like I'm, I'm like man I look at that, and I I, I want to love Jesus the way mm-hmm. Cedric does, and you mm-hmm. just sort of kind of like you've been sort of, kind of a spiritual hero to me, and I see that, and mm-hmm. I know that you I know that you think that, you know you're yeah. one of those guys, and you think oh man I'm I'm not that, and that's that's a sign that you are, mm-hmm. and and one of the things that really struck me was about two years ago, mm-hmm. um, when my dad came down and and was sick, and he went into a coma for about five days, yeah. And they were concerned about having to chop off his leg. Mm-hmm. And you came in and, and you took your shoes off in the hospital, mm-hmm. ICU room, and you said that we're on holy ground. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm taking my <laughs> shoes off too. Yeah. And so we took our shoes off and you began to sing this, this healing mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. over him. And, and I was like, holy cow. And then you prayed mm-hmm. over my father. You laid hands on my dad and you prayed over him and, and said, in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. may the blood flow to his leg. And the nurse came in about forty five minutes later, and she squeals. She's like, yeah. oh, "We've got, we've got a blood, we've got a <laughs> pulse." Awesome. And I was like, "Of course Praise we do. <laughs> yeah, of course we do. Yeah." And I was, and I've seen that, and I'm just, it's just one of those things where I'm like, "Wow." And mm. and you know that story got around to to people, and they were so encouraged to see how God moves. And yeah. I think that's the thing that that you know Hebrews tells us that we've got this great cloud of witnesses Amen. and we've got people that have gone on before us mm-hmm. that have made it, mm-hmm. but we've also got people that are with us now that we are seeing mm-hmm. follow Christ well. And, and I would, I would lump you in with that cloud of witnesses is, and I get yeah. it that okay. okay. you've sinned and you've fallen short. Yeah. We've all fallen yeah. short, Yeah, but your pursuit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: your desire is when you want to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love that about you. Um, what, uh, if, if, if you could sit down with anyone that's listening to this program, mm-hmm. what's one of the most important things that you would want to relate to them?
1: So going back to the story of your dad, uh, for you, Caleb, I'll just be honest with you. I love your boldness. You know, I hear you to- uh, talking about stories like you'll go to Walmart and you'll open up to strangers and telling them about Jesus. You know, uh, we all have our gifts and strengths. And that is one of my weaknesses. I wish I'll be as bold as, uh, as you always do. You know. You, and the, the uh, God will continue to bless that you know, and continue to give you that boldness. Mm-hmm. And you'll start seeing the, the things that you... Because sometimes you just plant fr- uh, seeds. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you'll see the fruit, you'll see the tree. You know, like this past uh, Sunday, you and I and Aaron, we went to Lighthouse a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And in Lighthouse, just downtown, there was a lady who was expectant. And a, and a husband and at that time, you know, we, we prayed over the lady and I remember I prayed also over her about the child and all this this past Sunday the the the, the son was born and he's, I believe he's three and a half years old his name is Joseph and when they saw me, yeah, when they saw me they were like, man, you remember us? I was like, no, I can't, you came to Lighthouse you know, you guys prayed for oh, us boy. yeah, it was crazy when I heard that and immediately I was like, you know, his word does not go and return void. Wow. See, I didn't even, because I was not, <laughs> I wasn't there this last Sunday and wow. Yeah. And they're saying they were trying to look for us over the years, trying to going back to Lighthouse. You mm-hmm. know, God has blessed them with their family and all that. And then I look back and I say, man, God is faithful. Yeah, yes. So even for you, like when you go out Neat. and, you know, you, you share your word in Walmart, wherever you go you're planting seeds that eventually God is just going to give you a chance to say, okay, see, remember this person, Mm -hmm. remember that and that. So that's the beauty of it. But for me, if somebody's listening right now, I know that salvation is a free gift from God, but I also know that there is a price that comes when we want to, to see the power of God moving us. You know, the Bible says the same power that conquered the grave still lives in us. Mm -hmm. We can be comfortable in the house of the Lord, or we can pursue him more, and then you see greater things, Mm. you know. So I've never shared this with anybody at the time uh, of your dad's healing, but during that time, I was fasting for 40 days, just eating once uh, in the evening. So it was a lot of my body was being crucified. Like, it was a lot of struggle for me during that time, and at most of the time, I would give up. And then when you called me to come and pray for your dad, I immediately knew that, man, this could be a moment that Jesus wants to show off. This could be a moment that, you know, this could be a moment that God wants to use it. But I had to, I did not know what's happening to dad. I never knew what's going to happen. But sometimes God can move you in a season of separation yeah. and say, Caleb, I want you to fast for 10 days. I want you to fast for 21 days. But you don't know why. And then when you're close to that 21 days, then he's going to put you in a place where now he can use you. For his glory. So that's what happened at that time. Mm-hmm. And and when you just went there, I remember your mom and I asked, hey, can I go pray for him? We we just went over there and then we just, we just showed up. Mm. And then Jesus just moved. You know, yeah. it's Jesus just moved and then brought the healing. But there's a price that, you know, the miraculous is still on. I, I believe that. I believe that God is about to move in the nations. But it's only going to go to those who are hungry for it. Mm. You know. Uh, I cannot just go to, to church and I'm content uh, and just be okay. You receive, you know, what you plant is what you receive. Mm. If 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 somebody wants to pursue the power of God, if you want to pursue, you know, the, the bigger things of God, then there's a sacrifice. It, it's there in the Bible. There's a sacrifice that we have to make to see God move in that nature. So I believe, uh, anybody who's listening, the U.S. is about to to experience one of the greatest revival of the end times because God is strategically placing people different places. Mm -hmm. And it's not just going to be like, oh, this is happening in California. This is happening in in, in this person's ministry. Mm -hmm. It's going to be in those small rural areas Mm -hmm. where the John the Baptist are, where those people are so hidden that nobody knows them. But when they come out, you know, they have this anointing and this power of God and they don't care about anything else. And God is going to use them a lot. So you know, better. and there's so, yeah, there's so many young people, you know, you included, <laughs> your brother included, our kids included, that are being raised up in, in forgotten areas, you know, destitute. It's the, it's the, the secret place is where the power of God is, mm. where nobody is even knowing what's going on. And that is what God is about to move in this nation. You mm. know, it could be in Battlesville, it could be in somewhere else, but it's just like, he's looking for the empty vessels. Who, who are those hungry? men and women, that they really want to experience my power. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's listening, I think that would be the encouragement. He's like, are you okay just going to church, doing church as normal? Or do you want to experience a deeper thing, uh, thing in, in um, uh, through God's grace? Mm-hmm. So good. Well, thanks for coming on and
0: spending time with me tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, today, I guess when people hear, whenever you hear this show,
1: um, I'm just excited that you, you're you here with me. Would you dismiss this in prayer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord Jesus, I just uh, pray for Caleb's ministry as he's continuing to serve you through this uh, ministry. I pray, Lord, that you may continue to bring divine appointment over his life. I bless his family, his children. I also bless his parents. And also pray, God, that you may continue to speak to us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Thank you.
0: This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartlesville families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.